is the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast, a true eye-opening experience. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jared Magazine, and it is officially Super Bowl week. It's my favorite Sunday of the year. We have the big game with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs going up against Father Time, the greatest of all time, uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. I can't believe he's at his 10th Super Bowl. Like, that is so crazy. This is not a sports podcast, but I will say it is an incredible feat to get to one Super Bowl, let alone 10. He's got to be undoubtedly the greatest of all time. And if he wins on Sunday, like, I don't even think you could argue it. So best of luck to both teams. I'm not a fan of either. I'm just hoping for a good game. That's like, that's like typically what I hope for, because as an Eagles fan, we've, uh, We've only gotten there a couple times, and the a couple times that we did, it was actually very successful. But um, so we're going to keep it football themed. I think the Super Bowl is, is such a great time of the year. Uh, really, I love the food itself. I think that's the best part. Um, you know, the game is good. The game is good if it's your favorite team playing. Uh, the halftime shows are typically all right, but the food you got to have that spread. It's like, are you are you like more of the charcuterie type of spread? For a Super Bowl, are you like nachos, wings, sliders, meatballs? That's like that's my type of spread for the Super Bowl, and I like I love it all. Like I can't I can't pick one favorite because I just love just having everything on a plate. But what I will say, this is probably the like the weirdest thing you've ever heard of for a Super Bowl spread. My mom used to make homemade beignets. Like when we grew up going to Disneyland, there was this place called Jazz Kitchen. I want to say I don't know if that's true or not. So. Uh, fact check me on that if you're a Disneyland fan but they used to make these beignets so my mom thought it'd be a great idea to go to Williams Sonoma and get a deep fat fryer and make beignets at home for football Sundays so it became a tradition at our house Super Bowl Sunday and usually like the Rose Bowl and stuff like that we would have homemade beignets with powdered sugar uh, let me know if that's part of your Super Bowl menu anyways this week's guest is uh, the fullback for the Cleveland Browns, Johnny Stanton. Johnny is a former classmate of mine at Santa Margarita Catholic High School. While I was there as a, as a freshman, he led our team to a state championship uh, at the quarterback position. So a very um, unorthodox way to the NFL for our dear friend, Johnny Stanton. A lot of injuries, a lot of taking chances and just rolling with the punches. It's a great interview. It's, it's not your typical football interview you know coming out of high school probably was one of the most sought after recruits going into college by the time he finished uh at UNLV he was just trying to get a spot on an NFL roster and the grind that he went through to do that is pretty impeccable so without further ado please enjoy a very special interview with Johnny Stanton all right guys well I want to welcome on a very special guest to the podcast Johnny Stanton Johnny Stanton is a fullback for the Cleveland Browns. He comes from my hometown and high school alma mater out in Rancho Santa Margarita, California. A former state champ for the Santa Margarita Eagles. He played quarterback, tight end, special teams, you name it. This guy has done it on the football field, and he joins us today. Johnny, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I, I, how, are things, how are things going? You know, we're recording this in mid-November. It's the midway point of the NFL season. Uh, now I know your career has kind of taken you all over the map, but how are you settling in Cleveland? I'm really liking Cleveland. I found this really cool neighborhood uh, right across the river from downtown in Ohio, uh, Ohio City. And I'm very happy. Um, 
getting used to the town, even though that, um, you know, it's a much different year than a normal year in Cleveland, but you know, everybody's having to get used to that. And, um, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm enjoying being on my new team. Awesome. What would you say as a California kid, what would you say are the, like the three biggest differences you've had to get used to in Cleveland? I have to get used to that big body of water a couple miles away from me is not an ocean. <laughs> <laughs> um, it looks like an ocean when you stand on it. Um, just a lot calmer. Um, the Lake Erie, it's crazy. The, the, you know, coming from California, it's a lake that you can't see across is just wild. Um, right. But yeah, I, I, um, I went to, I'm sure I'll get into it, but I went to school in the Midwest. I was in Minnesota last year. So I'm used to the snow. Um, I, you know, I, I, I like it when it gets a little bit below 60 degrees when, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, my girlfriend needs to put a jacket on <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you're like, I'm used to this at this point. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm, I, I can, I can get used to a lot of different climates. Um, you know, anywhere from going to school in Vegas where it gets to 120 and, or, you know, being in Minnesota for a little while where it gets, you know, negative 20. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like you've seen both sides of the spectrum there. Um, so let's get back to the beginning a little bit. Um, so growing up in Southern California sports, I feel like is something that really gets brought into kids' lives at a very early age. Where did you originally get drawn into sports and was it football always the top choice? I, as, as long as I can remember, um, I would leave school directly into a practice, um, from like kindergarten on. I wasn't going home after school, or if I was, I was immediately getting dressed for practice to go t-ball practice or basketball practice or whatever it was. Um, I remember my first sport was either soccer or t-ball. I forget what exactly what it was, but those were the first two, definitely. Then expanded into basketball. Um, my dad was a, was a swimmer. I remember he, he tried to get me into swimming a little bit, but it, I just didn't take um and then football didn't come until later like third grade I think is when I first started playing flag football and I played flag football all the way up until through eighth grade really but I started playing tackle when I was in sixth grade um just to be able to get developed and stuff like that which I think is honestly the right way to go yeah definitely Um, but yeah I kept on playing flag football because um my middle school had a team that you know I wanted to to compete with my friends with and that honestly was it, you know, it definitely teaches different football skills. It's all about the speed and agility, which, you know, isn't exactly my, my main strength anymore, but it's, it's something. <laughs> it definitely was at one point. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, uh, just as a former college swimmer myself, what, what was it about swimming that you didn't necessarily take to? <laughs> <laughs> I say this with all respect to swimmers because I could never do it. Uh, it's boring. It's so boring. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, but it, it's that. And it's also like the reliance on, it's just on yourself. You know, like I, I like being able to work on it in a team and I know yeah. there's a, a team aspect to it, but um, it's, it's more the, uh, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the distance swimmer just sounds like the worst thing to me. Yep. You're speaking to it. And and like, I think it, def- it definitely takes a certain type of crazy to stare at a black line for that long, for sure. I get it. <laughs> um, now, before we get into everything that's going on with you right now, do you mind taking a little trip down memory lane with me? I feel like we'd be doing our alma mater an in- injustice if we didn't talk about the historic seasons over at Santa Margarita. Let's do it. There's- <laughs> yeah, so, so let's jump to the 2011 season, and we'll kind of jump towards the end here. But the SM goes 13-2. and two. You go on and win 
the CIF Southern Section Division One state title. And to refresh your memory, uh, you completed over 60% of your passes, 2,439 yards and 13 total touchdowns while rushing for just over 1,400 yards and 21 touchdowns. What was it that made that year so special for you specifically and then as the team in general? Um, <clears throat> I think it would be a crime if the first thing I didn't say was uh, a huge part of that success was due to the late, great Max Turk. Mm -hmm. um, he was such a leader on our team and such a, a driving force for us. He was by far, you ask anybody on the team, the best player on the team. Um, you know, close second, honestly, was Coach Welch. Um, Coach Harry Welch is, you know, we were his third school at which he won and third different division at which he won a state championship in, uh, which is just insane in itself that um, should get national recognition. Um, and then it was just the team, the, the team chemistry. Um, I think my year in particular um, was just such a close group of guys. Um, a number of us were able to go on to play at the division one level. Um, I'm one of two guys who's still playing in the league, River Craycraft being the other one. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it was just a combined factors of a lot of years of losing at that school. Um, and, you know, in the 2010 season, well, the 20, 20, 2009 season, I think we had three wins. Wow. Um, and then fast forward to the next year, the 2010 season, Coach Welch shows up and we immediately go seven and three in the regular season and then uh, win our first playoff game and then lose the, lose the next game. So, you know, it was such a meteoric rise. Obviously we had the talent and obviously we were playing against some of the best competition in the country. Um, yep. Trinity, League, Trinity League, we're playing against St. John Boston, you know, you know more than anybody, but um, St. John Boston, Modern Day, uh, Servite, it's some of the guys who, you know, you're playing against division one talent every single week. Yep. Um, NFL talent, to be honest, like, you know, a lot of those guys moved on to the league and um, yeah, it's just, uh, the pieces were there and just had to come, come together in that 2011 season. And honestly, we had all the hopes of doing it again in 2012. Um, but it just, it didn't sack that the way that we were hoping to. Definitely. Um, would you say it was something early on that season that you guys knew you had something special coming off of like, like you said, a couple of losing seasons, SM wasn't really this quote unquote powerhouse at the time. Was it pretty early on when coach Harry Welsh came in or was it something like mid season, you guys started to realize you got something special here? Um, you know, we went five and zero in the in the um, non division, not non league mm -hmm. season, and we were playing against some good teams. But we knew that the, that the season wasn't going to start really until league started, and it was going to start with Modern Day. It was an away game at the Santa Ana Bowl, and I don't know what it is about the Santa Ana Bowl, but I just don't play well there. That was by far our worst game. Honestly, when you told me that I completed sixty percent of my passes my junior year, I would have said you were lying because <laughs> I felt like. You know, all of that had to had to come back in the in the second half of the season because mm -hmm. uh, honestly, I was not a very competent passer at the beginning of the year. That's why I relied so much on my legs. Um, mm -hmm. And that modern day game, we got our butts kicked. We were it, it ended up being a close game, but they were running schemes that we hadn't seen before. Our offensive line was easily easily our best like aspect of our team. We were just yeah. such a physical offense mm -hmm. and. It was just, we, they were getting pressure and I was making bad decisions and guys, it was just, things didn't go our way. And we ended up losing that game as first, first loss of the season. And that was kind of our wake up call. Um, the rest of the year, we lost one more game to Servite in overtime. Mm 
and that was an extremely close game. It was very high scoring, went back and forth the whole time, and they were they were able to edge it out. Um, and we wanted to get them back. We obviously wanted to get modern day back, but we wanted to get them back. And I think it was the second round of the playoffs, we found out that Mission Viejo beat Servite. Um, and we were really looking forward to playing them. But then we, you know, we knew that Mission Viejo had knocked us out of the playoffs the year before. Yep. There are cross-town rivals that we, you know, rivals that we never get to play. Yeah. Um, and we were really excited to be able to get up for that game. Um, and man, that, that game had a, its ups and downs too. But we were able to pull that out in the, in the last second along with the state championship game. Yeah, it's always when I was in high school and, and watching you play too, it was always like the the close games between the the schools that your best friends went to that weren't at Santa Margarita. So Mission Viejo, Tesoro, and then even like obviously you had the modern days, right? Those close games. And I think every sport that Santa Margarita has, I think a modern day game, no matter what type of sport it is, it's always gonna be close. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's incredible the amount of talent that there is in Orange County, or even you know, I think as, as much talent as there is, it's maximized by the coaching because there's no there's no other coaching around the country where it's so – Texas is so big and there's so yeah. many good teams in Texas and Florida has so many people and there's so many good teams in Florida. But just the – the um, how heavy amount of talent of in both playing and coaching that there is in Orange County itself. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's really in, incredible. Um that you play week after week, such tough teams. And they're all so close together. You know, like I had the choice coming into high school, whether I wanted to go to my local high school, which was Laguna Beach high, not much of a football team there, but they had their success. Oh, or I could drive 40 minutes to modern day. I could drive 30 minutes to Santa Margarita. I could drive, you know, whatever you say, you know, 25 minutes to Mission Viejo. If I, if I wanted to go into the agriculture program, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's just so congregated there that uh, it's, you know, it's it's tough to realize until you're actually out of the system. Yeah, and, and I mean, the names that have come come from these high schools, I mean, from ours, right, you have Carson Palmer, and then over at Mission Viejo, you got names like Mark Sanchez, and I could go on and on, but it's like, to your to your point, just the talent that comes from the greater Orange County, LA area is, is incredible. But uh, coming off that record-breaking year, SM gets nationally ranked a lot, like to your point, you guys were all juniors, your class, when you won the state championship. So the whole offensive line's coming back. You, and, you know, you get a nationally televised game week one it, out in Arizona on ESPN. What was that feeling like for you guys? So we were playing in Arizona um, earlier than we were used to. I think we had we were going to end up with, like, two buys that season, like one in week two and one week five or something. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we – are hoping that we live up to the hype you know we're at least one uh, ranking site whatever i don't know if it was usa today or, or max preps or whatever mm-hmm. did rank us number one preseason yeah. number one yep and that's a lot to live up to yeah. um and we had you know eyes on us as you know playing high school football on espn which is just the weirdest thing yeah because um, <laughs> usually so, it's like the texas or florida's yeah. up against each other all the time about high school football and it's usually later in the season too exactly yeah um so that week one getting invited to play um against brophy prep was uh was very cool we knew we were going to have to go there phoenix arizona uh in the summer believe it or not gets pretty hot so <laughs> um we you know had to prepare we got there i think two days early to try to get used to the heat a little bit yeah um I remember my aunt would get mad at me for, for saying this, but she ended up having like a heat stroke type thing. And like during the game, and I don't know oh, if she geez. was the only one, but um, yeah, you know, hydrating was obviously super important. Um, 
Yeah, that game was it, it, the first half didn't nearly go as well as the second half. I think I remember having two interceptions that game. I think I ended up coming back with maybe two two touchdowns, maybe three. I forget, but it was um, it wasn't it was a close game, and they gave us a really good look. And those guys had a lot of guys going Division One level too. Yeah, and and I know the game was a night game, but I'm sure the heat had nothing. It, it, the <laughs> day or night, the, the heat was definitely still there and still a factor. Did you guys have? Was it in the locker room like before the game? Where would you could you tell that the team was getting a little giddy because the game? You know, you had the ESPN cameras there, all the all the types of logos and stuff around the game. Was there kind of a little buzz in, in the locker room around that? I I don't remember much about. Um the locker room itself and like the feeling around the team. I remember anxious getting out there. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, the weird part was is that the, the, the cameras weren't as big of a deal as I thought it would be. Um, I don't know if that was a universal experience because I had a little bit more experience around the cameras because that previous summer I was with the elite 11. So right. um, I got to be around cameras trying to perform and um, you know, a lot of what's 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 funny is we actually the whole team uh, had a little bit more of experience being being around a camera because the year before we got to we got like highlighted on OC Varsity um, to have that weekly t- like hard knocks type show yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Where that covered it was it was such a cool thing for us little high school kids just Definitely. be able to watch like a twelve minute video every Wednesday or whatever it was on on OC Varsity mm-hmm. um, but yeah that obviously there were some nerves um but it was more the nerves that it was the first game of the season trying to live up to things rather than oh man like there's a lot of cameras here right because honestly the cameras like aren't really it's kind of hard to see them (laughs) yeah no definitely but i think the best thing about espn and and televised games are definitely the graphics that espn puts out and i'll never forget and i tell i tell this people all all the time my all-time favorite part of that entire game was they had a graphic up and it said the ncaa's average offensive line weight Mm-hmm. And it was like number one, Alabama, number two, LSU, number three, USC, number four, Santa Margarita Catholic high school. And then like number five, Oregon. I don't really remember the list, but I remember like Santa Margarita was up at the top. And to your point earlier, yeah, just- they got like the top five teams in the, in the NCAA preseason rankings and their average weights of the O-line. And we were right yeah. there at like 305, 305 pounds for our average O-line weight. I mean, that's, that's, that's our whole, that was our whole brand of offense when I was there was, we're going to run it and we're going to run it and we're going to run it. <laughs> and, and, you know, we're going to have success in the past game too, but we're going to run it down your throat and you're going to like it. Yeah. I, it was, it was, it was definitely wild. And like, I still tell people like walking around campus and seeing those kids, like they, it was real. It wasn't like they were just, they didn't like, you saw them every single day and they were, yeah. they, they were men, <laughs> they were men amongst boys in some cases. Yeah. Um, but so, let's let's fast forward a little bit i think it was week four of your senior year you end up tearing your acl right week five yeah week five what but was correct me if i'm wrong but the story goes that you supposedly tore it the week prior and didn't know it until the next week is that is that true or is that is that a folklore of santa margarita no it's it's kind of true um i remember getting it checked out didn't get an mri or anything um it was we were beating Carson high school, something like 60 to nothing. It was, it was a pretty rough game. Um, but I, For Carson high school, <laughs> right? Yeah. It, um, <laughs> I, I learned very uh, quickly that, that week that when you're on the sideline and running down the sideline, you don't want to do a spin move back inside because that's where everybody is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I made a spin move, some for some weird movement, like jolt in my knee. I remember hyperextending a little bit, but it was not a big deal. 
Um, I, I remember being able to practice that whole week, um, was able to play the rest of the game and got it checked out um, by a physical therapist and get like imaging, imaging on it or anything like that. But they said it was all good, just strengthened a little bit and, and it was good. The next week was against, um, I'm blanking right now. It's um, impressive that you you remember this so well, <laughs> this many years after. No, I'm mad that. Like, um, but anyway, we uh, it was the third play of the game. First two were run, for handoffs. Third play of the game was a QB draw, one of our bread and butter plays. I immediately get up to the second level because offensive line just blew up the uh, linebackers and D line. And the safety comes, comes in and dives on my knee and my knee was planted at the time. And that's when I knew for sure that it was, that it was torn. Um, mm-hmm. At the time I didn't, but like looking back, that's when I knew it was torn. It could have been weakened earlier, but it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, that's, I didn't know that's what happened. So I'm like, Oh man, that hyperextension hurts, but that's something I can play through. Um, and next play was a touchdown pass to Kyle sweet <laughs> and um, <laughs> or maybe I forget it was I know I threw in a Kyle that week but um, yeah I played the rest of the game uh, as the game went on I knew that something was wrong um, but I felt like at this point if I'm already running I might as well do it um, and uh, as the game went on like I said it got it was getting more sore there was one play where I like had to start to roll out and I definitely felt like a, a tear happened what it ended up being was a tearing my meniscus. Um, a little bit later in the game, I the coaches didn't really know anything was wrong, so they kept on running me. And uh, there was a missed block, and I got I got tackled by a D lineman who just kind of picked me up and threw me <laughs> threw me down. I, I was just like wrapped up; I couldn't do anything. Uh-huh. My head hit, my head hit the ground, and I I got like a mild concussion. I didn't know it at the time, like, and I wasn't I was acting fine. Right. Um, like don't definitely don't play through concussions kids. Um, <laughs> but I didn't, I just had no idea. Mm-hmm. And, um, by the end of the game, I knew something was wrong, but we got a win. So I was, uh, you know, I was happy at the time. Yeah. And, you know, kind of just going through that whole story, like what was going through your head during this whole game was the priority to win. Or it sounds like, like, I don't want to say health wasn't the concern, but it was just like, top priority is to get this win and then we'll, we'll kind of play by ear after the game and see what happens. From yeah. There. Like hindsight being 2020, knowing what I know now, um, I, I feel like, Oh, it's torn. I could still play on it. Like the doctor said, like, you know, my, my strength in my legs, which has always been like a, a strength of mine. What was, what was, what allowed me to continue to play and allow my knee to stay stable. Um, once it was torn, which it was early in the game and I could keep on playing, I knew that I, I, you know, maybe, yeah, I tore my meniscus, you, you know, ask half the NFL, probably part of their meniscus is torn. Right. Um, so <laughs> it's like, yeah, that happened. And yeah, obviously you don't want to get a little concussion, but um, we we're able to get the win and I got to, it's, it's a pretty epic story now. <laughs> so like yeah. I didn't do more damage to it. My the ACL was already torn. You know, you can't like, you can't, hurt the ACL more or, or limit myself, uh, the, like the amount that the amount of time that I'm out, um, the meniscus will heal right alongside the ACL. My concussion, you know, would go away in less than a week. Um, so yeah, it's looking back at it. I'm, I'm glad that I kept on playing. Um, mm-hmm. and it was, uh, that's what I like to say is like, you know, I, we got the win. So, yeah. And so here you are, you, you've obviously gotten tons of national attention, obviously offers in, in division one, you know, from, division one powerhouses what what was happening from that perspective after 
the news that you tore your ACL? Were colleges pulling their offers? What was that experience like for you? So luckily I was already committed to University of Nebraska. Um, and I don't know what the scenario is for uh, guys who in my position, like got hurt, um, but weren't committed. I don't know what, it, how a team would treat them. Um, but I knew that when I called the University of Nebraska that, that next day and got the news, after I got the news that it was torn, um, they, they said, no, don't worry about it. We get guys who tear their seal, like, you know, at least one a season. Right. So, you know, we're going to get you recovered. You're going to be back to get as new and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It, it was a big weight off my chest for sure. Um, and I imagine, you know, from what I've heard in the past um, from other people, like pulling an offer from somebody who got injured is a bad look and yeah, cause definitely um, would maybe make another recruit think differently. So I think for the most part, um, colleges kind of stick, stick to their, to the guys who, either they either offer it or or committed to them already so i was i was glad that 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 that's what happened yeah and and to to the point earlier you know you had dozens of offers what was it that drew you to to nebraska initially dozens is an exaggeration i think i think i ended up with about a dozen um, okay which was more than enough like you know i wasn't yeah i wasn't somebody who was trying to rack up offers i wanted right. to i wanted to i knew what schools might be interested in me and what, that i might be interested in going to Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the schools that I visited. Um, I did get, you know, calls from teams that I never ended up visiting, but, um, all in all, my final three were all schools that I went to go visit and it was Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Oregon. Um, and I think I, at any three of those three, I would have been happy at, um, and I ended up choosing Nebraska because I felt most comfortable there and with the coaching staff. And I felt like I had the better, best opportunity to be able to play early. Um, that's not what ended up happening. And that's why I ended up leaving, but, right. um, it was, uh, you know, I was, I was lucky to have the recruiting experience that I did. Yeah. We, we had your buddy, Mike Carney on the show a while back and he was talking about how, you know, kids these days will say they have dozens of offers and it's, you know, not until they get, he says the handwritten letter from coaches, it says that we're actually interested in you because all these kids have their top 30 top and then start narrowing it down and it gets kind of ridiculous. And I, I applaud you for, I, I exaggerated and said dozens, but I, <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it, it's, it's totally fine. Um, yeah, I don't remember a handwritten letter specifically, but it was definitely a phone call from the head right. coach letting them know that they were offering me, which it was definitely, you know, every, I, I'll, I'd be lying if I didn't say that, you know, every single, every single offer that I got felt good. Um, even after winning the state championship, if you told me that I was going to be able to go to, to go to college to play football on a scholarship or division one, you know, especially I would have, I, I wouldn't have believed it. Um, I remember getting very surprised that I got my, when I got my first offer. Um, I remember having to go after a school uh, or like trying to call them because apparently a coach t- told me says hey this school I won't say the name but like oh, this school said that they're going to offer you I'm like okay like they said to, and they said to, to call them and I'm like okay I'll call them and I called them and they didn't answer and I let, let the coach know and it was like and he said oh yeah don't worry but like call them tomorrow I called again and they didn't answer I'm like <laughs> it ended up like being nothing I never even yeah. ever, never ended up talking to any of those coaches so I don't know what what my coach was, was talking about but luckily <laughs> soon after that I, I started getting some offers I love it. I love it. So 
like you 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 kind of hinted to it before, but after redshirting a year at Nebraska and a year at, at backup, you decided this wasn't the right fit, and you actually head home and play play JUCO. What was that experience like for you, uh, finally getting back under center and getting to throw the football around on the on the same field that you were throwing so many touchdowns with it with Santa Margarita? I might add too. Yeah, um, Santa Margarita plays their home games over at Saddleback College, or they do when Saddleback has a stadium, which they will again, I think, this year or next year. Mm. Um, it was, it felt really good. Um, we ended up losing my first game when I was back there. It was against, I forget what school here it was against, but um, I didn't have all that great of a game. I, I, I think I had a couple interceptions um, and we ended up losing, but uh, I just remember having so much fun playing football yeah. again. Yep. Um, having two years where I only got to practice. Um, you know, I had my, I think I had two games where I actually got to get a snap um, at Nebraska. And that was, that was great, but you know, you're not, it's garbage time. You're not actually making any kind of difference. And it just feels different when you're the guy. Mm. Um, And I've always felt like I play differently when I'm the guy, when I'm, when I'm not um, competing for a job, I don't know what it is. Uh, I just end up playing better. Um, And once I had the job at, I actually didn't have the job when I was at Saddleback. Cause my first two games, I didn't play that great. Um, we, as a, we, as a team didn't play amazing, but I, I particularly had some, some missed passes. I had some interceptions. Um, we ended up losing those first two games. And on that third game is when I ended up like going off a little bit. I think I had yep. five touch passes two one or two Russian touchdowns. Um, and it was really, that was when I realized like, man, it feels really good to play football again. Yeah. I um, love that. And that was, you know, at that point, I, honestly, before that game, uh, I was told by our head coach, it's like, hey, um, you know, you're going to start the game. He, he didn't say like as any kind of like punishment or like right. lack of confidence in me. But he said, like, uh, you're going to start the game. And um, what's probably going to happen is uh, your backup is going to come in at the second half. And I remember thinking like, man, like, that's not the best way to like pump, pump up. Your up. <laughs> um, I remember being like. I don't know if it lit a fire underneath me or what, but um, I just remember going out there and, and beating the team pretty bad. And at that point we went on a 10 game winning streak. Um, and we uh, it's, it's weird. California has a completely different league than the rest of the country because there are yeah. 60, I think I might have these numbers wrong, but I think it's, a, I know it's around these. Uh, California has 62 junior college football teams that all play for the same championship the rest of the country has about 61. Um, so they all compete for a, for a championship and then California competes for their own championship. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know what that says about like, <laughs> about like talent or whatever. There were guys who were coming from all, all across the country to be able to play, yep. play for us. Um, yeah. So yeah, junior college is a, is a weird um, system in itself, a junior college football. Um, but it does, gives a lot of guys second chances, a lot of guys who are, you know, who need that second chance. And I was, I was one of those guys and I was re- really, really grateful to be able to do that in my hometown. Yeah. And, and the kind of segue to, to my next question, you know, we have seen a little bit of a spotlight get casted on Juco football with, with shows like last chance you, from your perspective, what was the, like the Juco experience like in relation to coming off of the power five division one experience? Yeah, well, one thing is uh, I haven't watched Last Chance U yet because I feel like I lived it and I feel like yep. I don't need to watch it. Something about yeah. it just like, it's, yeah. Um, yeah, I've been there, done I've, that. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard awesome things. I've heard really mm-hmm. good things. It's just something that's like, oh, I kind of already did that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I want to see them choose a California school. Like I said, yeah. you know, like there are, there are that many more California teams and getting a, you know, a dominant one in California or one that's really good, like Saddleback. I'd love to be, see them follow Saddleback. Um, what was your question? <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 you're good. Like just from going from like the power oh, five, yeah. you know, D1 experience to here you are, you know, in, in your hometown playing Juco football. Yeah. So one thing about a public university, like the university of Nebraska, it's across the board, all power five schools, they get a certain amount of money to be able to spend on, on football. Like the football mm-hmm. team has a certain budget and when they don't match that budget, they want to keep that same amount of money so they don't lose it. So they, do some refurbishments, whether it's uh, adding to the scoreboard like they did when I was there or adding more stuff to the stadium or, you know, doing a whole bunch of stuff to be able to improve the experience for the student athlete because they don't spend that money for the student, you know, to actually give that money to the student athlete, which is a whole talk in itself. Yep. We can do Um, a whole other episode on that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So going from a school that spends X amount of dollars um, on their weight room, on their locker room, on their facilities, on their practice field to a school that has maybe one hundredth of the budget, if that, yep. um, is, uh, it's humbling for sure. And it was maybe a, a humbling experience that I needed. Um, I was at the division one power five level, but I wasn't playing at the division one power five level. I was not playing. Um, so getting that experience of going back home and playing at my home, you know, the, the field I grew up playing on and um, with some of the guys that I grew up playing with or against. Um, and, you know, that was, that was an experience that I just, it made me enjoy football so much more. Um, I, I really think that, you know, your worst day at the junior college level playing football is better than your best day not playing at the division one level um because it's just you know you you go to you go to school to play football you go you know at least I did I I went to school to play football um along with have that whole experience at at college and be able to love the school yeah um but it's a lot different when you don't get to play the sport that you that you love yeah I just kind of feel like you're just clocking in and and obviously putting in the work and trying to earn that spot but there comes a time where it's like when is that time going to come right um, so here you go, four years after your senior season at San Marita, you're headed to UNLV to play quarterback. Uh, your first pass attempt as, as a quarterback for UNLV is a touchdown. What was it like to finally be back, uh, you know, I'll say in, in a bigger stadium under some bigger lights and, and being, at, being at the quarterback position? I, I, I haven't said it yet, but I'm impressed with your research. It's pretty good. Thank um, you. <laughs> yeah. Um, my it was cool to know that my first pass at UNLV was a was a touchdown Devonte Boyd it was like the third or fourth play of the game um yeah it was uh it was a very cool experience mainly that first game because we won <laughs> yeah yep. I, ended up, I ended up playing the next three games and we played badly I played badly and I ended up um we were in that fourth game against Idaho um, but I ended up tearing my knee on the fly, final drive of regulation. I went to o- overtime and we were trying to go, go into win. I ended up tearing my knee, not really knowing that's what happened again. But um, it, uh, you know, the college speed is a lot different than the high school speed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, getting a little hampered at the college level is a lot different. Um, so we ended up losing that game. I'm out for the rest of the year, trying to come back the whole time. But it was like a weird knee tear that um, 
didn't know if it needed surgery, didn't know if it could let like let it heal on its own, didn't know if I'd be able to play in a brace and um, just trying to decide, both trying to decide all that and trying to get back to my normal feeling. I just didn't end up playing the rest of that year. Um, and I went into my red shirt senior year, my fifth, my fifth season, mm-hmm. uh, being the third string quarterback, which was really rough. Um, so I ended up the first game we ended up losing. Uh, it was a, it was a pretty tough game. Um, the second game, the, the, the whole time I'm thinking like, okay, you know, maybe there's still a chance that I can, that I can win this, win the starting job. Yep. Um, and then the second game, uh, the starting quarterback just went off. He, uh, he, he had a great game and I was like, okay, he's a, he's a freshman. That's why they ended up giving him the job because they want to be able to build him up. Yep. And, uh, and, and you're just the old guy in the fifth year senior, huh? <laughs> no. And he showed, and he showed enough that second game where it's like, okay, they're not going to go away from him this season unless he gets hurt. So it's like, do I want to spend the whole season bitter on the bench at quarterback or do I want to try to make a, make a difference in my senior year? Um, and, that's when I went to the special teams coach and said like, Hey, can I get on, get in on some special teams? I want to be able to play. Uh, I said, yeah, let's, let's figure out what, what we can fit you on. Um, so the first week I practiced at punt, at punt return. Um, and then the week after, which was week four, um, I got to play on punt return. And the first play was a, was a call to, to rush the punter to like all out, all out, um, rush. Mm-hmm. And I came unblocked off the edge and blocked the punt. Um, so it was my, the first play of my senior year was uh, probably my most successful one. We ended up, you know, we didn't end up covering it for a, a touchdown, but it was, it was, a, a, it definitely made all those, at least part of uh, that off season, you know, having a really rough time with my self-confidence and trying to, to get back that starting job. It made at least some of it worth it being able to have that success. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, here we are, you know, we're, we're spending this whole entire interview talking about Johnny Stanton, the quarterback. And, you know, obviously I have listeners that are football fans and listeners that might not even know what football is, but they know that a fullback and a quarterback aren't the same position. What, like, what was that transition like for you to just to pick up and say, I'll do, I'll do whatever at this point, you know, I'll, I want to play football. I want to, I want to be on the field. Yeah, it was, um, it was a weird experience. I hadn't played anything but quarterback since my sophomore year of high school when I played safety with that, um, with that team. And it was my first time playing safety. I'd never played defense since then. And, yep. um, and it was just um, brought back a lot of memories, but it was a really weird experience trying to do something that I felt like everybody else was, was used to that I wasn't used to. Um, there are a lot of things that there are a lot of universal skills across the football field. You know, everybody, but a quarterback kicker and punter, know how to like physically punch for a block or try to shed a block or something like that. And that was just not a skill that I had. Um, And I didn't even realize it until I was preparing to try to go to the NFL. Um, So that was probably the biggest change is um, those little skills that I just felt like everybody else was better at me than I had. And I had to, uh, I had to compensate with my athleticism Mm -hmm. Um, because I still felt like, you know, at the end of the day, I'm still a great athlete that I can try to make up for it. Right. 
Right. So obviously the extra rotations helped out going into the different, uh, you know, team meetings and, and, um, you know, linebacker meetings and whatnot, because, you know, you were signed by Minnesota, the Minnesota Vikings after the 2018 draft. And just going back to the beginning as a kid who had dreamed about a moment like this, you said you spent most of your childhood, you felt like transitioning from one practice to the next. I'm assuming this was like the ultimate goal. What was that feeling like for you? Yeah. So I, I, I didn't even, it wasn't even able to get to it, but like, after playing special teams that, that first game, I played a little bit more special teams that year, but our starting quarterback went down. I ended up taking over, but that was even after playing two games at linebacker. Mm-hmm. Um, so the linebacker coach asked me to help out a little bit against air force because they, you know, have their, um, their spread uh, options or not their spread option, but their uh, triple option stuff. Um, so I played some linebacker, which was another weird experience. Um, I got to go back to quarterback after the quarterback, after our starting quarterback got hurt, played three games and won two out of those three. Um, then the season's over. I think that my football career is over. Um, and you know, thinking that like, oh, I was a quarterback for most of my career. What kind of NFL team would want first a failed quarterback and two, any, like somebody who didn't play anything but that except for like at most two games. Right. Um, so I just started training, um, training for pro day, uh, to be able to do the 40, the bench, the vertical, all that stuff. Uh, just trying to get as good of a score as possible, but also, you know, working on my positional skills. So one, I did work out a quarterback. Um, there was a CFL team that thought that my thought they were interested in me at quarterback. Um, I thought tight end fit my body type best. And that's mm-hmm. something that you know, I see. I, I would always hear about people transitioning to play tight end. <clears throat> um, I practiced long snapping because I knew that that there are a lot of people that transition to being a long snapper and it's a, it's a skill that can be picked up and, you know, they need an athlete that to be able to play it. Yeah. Um, so I played all three of those at pro day when the scouts were there. And then when this, the scout uh, surprised me and, or one of them surprised me and says, Hey, Johnny, do you want, do you want to do the linebacker drills? At this point, I'm legitimately exhausted because I, yeah, I was gonna say. it's like yeah. one o'clock in the afternoon at this point, And I'm thinking like, yeah, I'll, I'm not going to tell the scout no. Right, right. <laughs> um, and there was a point where I hesitated. I'm like, do I want to say that? And yeah. my my old my old high school quarterback coach was the one who kind of helped me go through pro day. And he says, yeah, he'll do it. And he's like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so sorry, getting back to what you were talking about the 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 Vikings experience was I get a con- get a phone call um, during the CFL tryout at quarterback, which went horribly. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I get a phone call from my agent saying, Hey, the, the Vikings want to bring you in for a, uh, a tryout. Basically it's called yeah. rookie minicamp. It's when all of the new rookies, whether they're draft players or they're signed like undrafted uh, free agents, that's when everybody converges, they get coached up for a weekend and they need bodies. So that's why they bring in about, at least at the Minnesota one, there was about 40 guys there to try out for the team. Uh, and there's no guarantee. It's not like it's it's not like people trying out 40 guys trying out for three spots or anything like that, or one spot. It is you're trying out to beat out somebody else in your position already on the team because right. the roster is filled. You get to you get 90 people on the roster in the off season that they get to keep they they get to hold on to. Mm-hmm. And when we were there, there were already guys. There are already 90 guys who have a contract in currently in with the, with the Vikings, and you're trying to beat out one of those guys. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to do my best at line, at, sorry, at, t- at tight end, you know, having never p- played the position before going against a third round draft uh, defensive end, you know, who's, you know, I'm just getting my, my butt kicked, but <laughs> so uh, uh, enough athleticism over the weekend, it was like three or four practices 
where they come up to me after the last practice when everybody's about ready to say like, to, you know, everybody's going home. I, I get somebody come up to me and says, Hey, can you stick around for another day? We want to do, um, we, we want to do physicals on you. We want to bring you to the doctor. I'm like, sure. Um, I don't know how many people they're asking this to. It ended up only three other guys. They asked to, they asked to do it. So apparently they had already made that decision that we were going to replace somebody on the team. Um, but we just had to go through physicals and all yeah. so all three of us go through physicals that, that next day. And we get brought into one of the, um, general, ma- the general manager's offices. And, uh, they say, we're going to sign you to the Vikings. I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked. I call my parents. Um, and you know, I just tried out for an NFL team and made the team, which I feel like is just like, the, it's obviously the hardest way to be able to join a team. Right. right. Um, and, uh, it wasn't the whole time, you know, I did, I, I spent the whole weekend at tight end with the tight end coach. So I go to the airport the next day. Um, and, uh, I'm hanging out with one of the other guys who, who made the team with me. And I look on Twitter and I'm, I'm thinking like, Oh, I wonder when the team's going to like announce like that they signed us and stuff. So then I, I get the notification, they, they announced it. And it says, all right, we're assigned Brett Taylor, number 43 um, linebacker. Uh, we signed this guy, receiver, number 86, this guy, corner, number 32, uh, Johnny Stanton, number 48. I'm like, huh, weird yeah. tight end one, a weird tight end number. I know like, you know, tight ends are, are sequestered to the 80s and the 40s. Yeah. Yep. But you never see a tight end with the 40 number. Right. Uh, and that's when I, I didn't even realize until after, until like, I was my, it was my, the second time looking at the tweet that I actually said fullback. I'm uh. like, okay, that's a whole nother position to learn. Um, thank God for Mike Carney <laughs> and being yeah. able to learn from him five, literally five minutes away from my house mm-hmm. um, that I got to, uh, I got to learn the fullback position only after spending a month and a half in Minnesota, actually trying to learn it. And it was just, it was a, a crazy experience. A lot happened and it was an exciting time. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, so, I mean, you've really taken, it's really, you've taken one hell of a road to get to where you are today. And were there, were there ever times that you looked in the mirror and thought maybe, you know, maybe it's time to, to, to move on past the NFL dream and maybe it's, maybe you got to do something else. Yeah. I mean, that was my whole last year. Yeah. Um, I end up breaking my ankle in the 2018 preseason. Um, the team puts me on injured reserve, which was awesome because it, it, it's technical stuff, but I'm able to get one season closer to getting like retirement benefits from the NFL, which is, you know, boring, but it's, it's big. Yep. <laughs> um, the other thing is, um, uh, I, I, I just like to be able to have a team to root for um, rather than be a free agent and like, Oh man, I can't, I, I really hope that there's somebody who will sign me. Mm-hmm. And, but at this point I'm like, I'm already with the team, uh, and all, all signs were pointing to that. The team was going to bring me back after I fully healed up. Um, unfortunately that's not what happened. I ended up getting cut in 2019 and didn't sign with anybody until that fall. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a really tough experience because I, the whole time I'm thinking like, I'm training for this. Um, I'm working at my high school as a security guard slash freshman football assistant coach. Uh, just trying to like, you know, make some money while I'm at home. Um, like, should I, <laughs> should I start investing my time into something that's more useful over the long term, right? rather than just working out and trying to get, trying to get a quarterback to throw to me when I, whenever I have the chance. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a really weird experience. I was fully healed. And <clears throat> finally, I got a phone call 
uh, I was doing tryouts and stuff like doing these third party um, combines of like, you know, companies that don't have any direct affiliation with any of the sports leagues, but say that they, they have people who will come watch these combines. And if you want to come compete at them, then you can. It turns out that there's like um, a couple people like loosely affiliated with teams. There's a couple CFL teams there. There's um, the big thing was that there was the XFL was was affiliated, uh, and XFL we didn't even know if there's going to be a thing yet. Right. But um, you know, because the, the AAF had failed, we didn't know if the XFL was going to go anywhere. Um, what that's was kind of my intro to the XFL. Um, I got to got to meet some of the people there. I got invited to it to another combine weird thing um, that I did fairly well at. Um, and then finally got picked up by the LA Wildcats. And I thought that was like, that, okay, this will, this will be my pathway back to the NFL. Um, Minnesota actually brings me back. I hadn't signed a contract yet, so I can get signed again. Um, Minnesota brought me back to join the practice squad. I was only there for two weeks um, and they cut me again. I do a couple other workouts with teams and, nothing ends up going through. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to commit to this XFL thing. Um, I think this will be my best chance to be able to join the team. And uh, they cut me after training camp. <laughs> oh, um, and I'm like, man, like, is football really right for me? Like, is, you know, if I can't make an XFL team, what, what's making me think that I can make an NFL team? Like, which right. that's very easy logic to get to. Yep. Um, the, the best part about it, or like the only, the only saving grace, to be honest, was the fact that, two days before I got that, I got told that I was cut by the XFL. Um, I got a phone call from somebody in the front office of the Browns saying, Hey, Johnny, uh, I, I talked to them earlier. I ended up like declining a workout because I wanted to focus on like, okay, I think that XFL is my, my way to get, to get into the back in the NFL for like, for good, you know? Yep. Um, and they called me saying, uh, Hey, we don't even need to have you work out. We just want to be able to sign you to our off season roster. Um, we just need you to come in for physicals. I'm like, that's amazing. It's, I was going to say, know, the physicals is like the, the, the golden ticket at this point. If you know you're yeah. going in for physicals. <laughs> Unless you have a torn ACL currently, like you're going you're gonna to be good. Yeah. Uh, so, but I, I had to tell them, like, I'm under contract right now. There's literally nothing I can do. Um, you know, there was already other guys who tried to get out of their contract to join an NFL team and they got blocked to do it. from wow. doing it. Um, so two days later, I get, the, I get told that, like, hey, you're not with the team anymore. Thanks, but no thanks. Um, I immediately called my agent and says, Hey, call the Browns again, like see if they're still interested in um, a dro- an XFL dropout. Um, <laughs> and luckily they still were. And about a week later I get on a, get on a plane to Cleveland and uh, the rest is history. I love it. I love it. So I do have to ask, uh, just going back to your Minnesota days and this question came from my dad, I was definitely going to ask it, but we'll give him the credit just because he was such sure. a big fan of yours. And he definitely wanted me to ask this. So the first ever game you played in the NFL was out in, uh, in Denver mm-hmm. and you were lined up against your number one target from your high school days, River Craycraft on the opposite side of the field. What was that experience for the two of you like um, to see each other in the NFL after all these years? Yeah, it was, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty perfect timing. Um, that would have been, that was Rivers first experience in, in an NFL uniform too, with the game day experience. Obviously it's just the preseason it's, mm-hmm. you know, with almost 40 extra guys on the sideline than what you would have in the regular season. Um, River is on, is also an offensive player. So we're not going to be on the field at the same time, expe- except for on special teams. So um, we, we knew that we weren't going to be going like directly against each other. Like I wasn't going to be going up and blocking him necessarily. Right. And, like, happen on special teams which it, what ended up happening is we were only on the field together once at the same time 
Um, he was returning a kick. I was, rush, I was, I was going out on kick, on kickoff coverage. It ended up being a touchback. So like nothing happened, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I had, I had told our team photographer um, before the game says, Hey, I'd really appreciate it. If after the game, win or lose, uh, I get a picture with my buddy river. Um, so, you know, that happens all the time after games. Uh, so we were able to do that. Um, we ended up beating the Broncos and River, River just looks miserable in this picture, but I'll always, yeah, uh, I'll always uh, treasure that experience of being able to, you know, my first NFL preseason game, you know, uh, was against my best friend and um, we, you know, everybody, it's, it's such a tradition now to be able to trade jerseys after mm-hmm. a game. We actually didn't do that because we were both, you know, so guys who are like such on the edge of the roster where we felt like, for one, it costs money to do it. It costs like 500 bucks to do it or something because mm-hmm. those jerseys are legit expensive. Yeah. Uh, we weren't making any kind of money yet with the team. You know, you don't get paid until you're actually joining the team uh, for the regular season or you don't get paid, you know, a lot of money to get before that. Right. Um, and we were both like, man, I feel like it would be like a weird thing if we traded it. Looking back, like, what are we thinking? Like this, this is like the perfect opportunity. Like who's to say that either of us are going to be on an NFL team, like NFL field before? Like yeah. again, and obviously we should have done it. We should have like, <laughs> like, screw it. Like, we don't know if it's going to happen again. Like, I don't care what anybody else thinks, um, but we didn't. So now we have to wait for the next time. Our, <laughs> hopefully we get to be on the field together again. And he's yeah. doing awesome. He's, he's playing with the 49ers on the active roster now. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm hoping that I can join him on the field soon. I haven't had my first NFL regular season game yet, but um, I'm looking forward to being able to have that experience. Yeah, definitely. I think there was also a, a, like a selfish side of like, well, we just got these. Let's keep these for as long as we can. We didn't, you know, I got to, I got to keep my jersey after I got hurt. Uh, jersey and helmet. I got to talk to the equipment manager because I only got hurt the next game. And yeah. I, we were able to keep that um, at no cost to myself, actually. He, the equipment manager over there is awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it is the first jersey where it's like, oh, do we want to like keep these yeah. jerseys? want to give it. Um, <laughs> You know, it's looking back on it, it's like, what are we thinking? Yeah. So here you are now with the Browns, and I'd be remiss uh, not to bring up two of the most talked about personalities in the NFL right now uh, that both happen to be on your team. What is it like uh, being in the organization with the likes of Baker Mayfield and, and OBJ? Um, it's a weird, uh, it, 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 it's such a weird year. Um, I'm actually not even in the same locker room <laughs> with, with those guys. Um, everybody in the NFL had to split, had to spread out their locker rooms, um, yep. all, all the teams. So at the beginning of the season, we were in two separate locker rooms, one for active guys, starters, the other one for, you know, either both practice squad guys and, um, you know, backups and stuff like that. Uh, and then the quarterbacks themselves had their own little mini locker room with just the three of them. Okay. Um, so it's like, yeah. I'm, I'm teammates with them and I see them on the practice field all the time. And they're all really cool. And they're, you know, really friendly guys. And I get to talk to them, but you know, you're not sitting down next to them at the locker room or anything like that. You don't, you know, you don't get to sit at lunch with them and, and, and you know, talk about whatever um, just because of how weird of a year it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, a, a little bit disappointing to not be able to get to know my teammates quite as much as I would like, um, even though I, I'm getting to know some of them and, and you know, and they're becoming great friends. Um, it's just not quite as spread out as, as you know, everybody, if that's the sacrifice that I need to make this year, like it's okay. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, let's, let's wait yeah. till 2021, but I love that. Do you, why is it, why do you think 
from your side of the things, obviously as a player on the Browns, why is it that the Browns are one of the most talked about organizations win or lose or tie record doesn't matter. They, it seems like they're always brought up. Yeah. I mean, part of it is definitely the personalities on this team. Um, mm. There are some really great personalities on this team and it's fun. It's a fun team to be around for sure. Um, also, also uh, part of it is I think we kind of have what the Cubs had for a long time, kind of like, for a long time, we were a little bit of like the lovable losers mm-hmm. um, where we just found a way to just not have a, have a bad season every year. And it's tough for me to say that because I wasn't with the team before this year and we're having some really great success this year. And I don't yep. want to like, you know, talk bad about previous teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of it is also the fact that I think the, the country wants to see the Browns be successful. Um, I, you know, there was, uh, I think it was like week three or four, we ended up playing the Cowboys and the Cowboys are having a rough year. And a lot of the Browns fans were saying like, this is good. This is going to be the game to, to determine who's, who's America's team. And <laughs> I think the Cowboys have that like, um, you know, <laughs> like copywritten, but, <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that there is a big part of the country that just like inherently roots for Cleveland. Um, I agree. So uh, I think it's a combination of all those things. I love it. So I, this is kind of, this is kind of like the simplest question to ask a football player, but I I think it goes, it gets, it doesn't get asked enough. What is your favorite part about being an NFL player? Oh, um, I think the easiest answer is getting, getting to be paid for what you got to do starting in sixth grade, you know, and what you fell with as a high school player and, you know, go down the line. Um, It's, being able to uh, compete, you know, head to head with the guy across from you and have a very easy determination. It's like, did I win this one or did I lose this one? And do I, if I lost it, I get to go up again the next play and win the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so black and white. Um, oftentimes it's not always, but it's, it's oftentimes so black and white that if you succeeded on a certain day or not, especially with the wins and losses, I get to see sports across the board. Um, if you're in a business scenario, say like a salesman, like, which is the, maybe like the most competitive part about the business, the business world, if you're a salesman, maybe you're trying to compete quarter to quarter, Mm -hmm. but you don't get to go in the, you know, the next play, you know, 25 seconds later and say like, I'm going to beat the guy across from me. And it's so much more cathartic than, you know, beating somebody else in numbers or something like that. You get to beat up another person (laughs) and you're allowed (laughs) to do it. I love it. So I think it's just a combination of it's like it's it's the you know it's not the last because rugby guys are pretty tough and a lot of other sports sports are very tough, but it's one of the last gladiator experiences and uh, we're getting paid to do that. So it's um, it's just a lot of that catharsis of being able to you know run full speed at another human who is running their full speed at you and see who wins. Yeah, I was gonna say Conor McGregor fans might be the ones that are saying that football is not the last gladiator sport. But... Yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Johnny, this has been an absolute blast. I, I appreciate you coming on, and it's great to reconnect with you. I do have one last question for you that we ask all of our guests. Now, you you have hope you know hopefully a very healthy NFL career ahead of you, and plenty more years to come. But if you were to write your autobiography right now, what would be the title of it, and why? Oh man. Um, <laughs> the general consensus after I asked that. <laughs> like no matter what I say, it probably sounds like either 
conceited or like self-deprecating or I don't know. Um, I think so much of, uh, I, I got to talk to some high school kids, um, high school football players this off season. Um, and they, like, it was for like a Q and a session and it was really, really great. Um, I got to, they asked some really great questions. Um, the one of the things that I kept going back to from this specifically was um, they kept on asking about like, what it was like coming back from an injury? What was it like coming back from, you know, a whole year where you didn't get to play football? Uh, blah, blah, blah. blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept on talking to them. It's like, it's for me, it was all about looking myself in the mirror again and committing myself saying like, do I want to play football again? And really taking a step back and making that decision um, cause I think there, you don't get to, it's, it's not a one time decision, uh, whether or not you ask yourself, do I want to play football? Um, for me, it's been asked, you know, once every year, a couple of years, cause I have mm-hmm. to make that decision again. Um, so I think, you know, it was all about for me getting back up again when you get knocked down. So I think <laughs> it'll, it'll still sound so corny or like conceited or whatever, but I think getting back up again is probably the best I can think of right now. I love it. I love it. And, and, and I, I don't care how cliche or cheesy it may sound. It's a perfect answer and I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, Johnny. Well, again, this has been an absolute blast. I wish you all the best with the remainder of the season. And I definitely will. We'll definitely keep in touch. Cool. Thank you, man. Awesome. So a big thank you again to Johnny Santon for coming on this week's show and sharing his really his unorthodox journey to the NFL. And I think that goes um, kind of swept under the rug a lot of the times because we always think about first round draft pick, top top five draft pick, or even just like the undrafted. But how about the guy who literally goes in tryout after tryout, trying different positions, just seeing where he can be an asset to a team. Usually when you do that, whether it's in work or in sports, whatever, someone's going to find a need for you. And that's exactly what Johnny Sand did. So Big kudos to him. I wish him absolutely all the best in his NFL career. You can see him starting for the Cleveland Browns uh, in the 2020 season. He His first game was actually up against my favorite team, the Eagles, where he did actually make the active roster just a week or two after we actually recorded this in November. So big props to you, Johnny. Be sure to follow him on Instagram at Johnny Stanton IV. That stands for Johnny Stanton the fourth. And uh, be sure to check him out uh, next season in the NFL. But let me know who you guys think is going to win the big game. Maybe if you're listening to this, we already have a a winner. Honestly, I was talking to my dad about this today. And if I had to pick a winner, and I don't know if this is going to be correct, so I'm not I'm not a, I'm not a fortune teller, but I I just don't don't bet against Brady right now. Like everyone thought this year the Bucks weren't going to be the the most sought after team, but Brady in January and Brady in February, there's just something about that guy. So I don't think the Chiefs will be repeating. I think we're going to see Brady win another ring. So that's my prediction. That does it for this this week's episode. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at NormalGuyLazyEye for all your bonus content and clips from this week's episode. And I will see you all next Wednesday.